Hey, it's Alan Berg. Are you coming to Wedding MBA this year? Well, I'll be there again. I haven't missed one since the first one in 2007. So I look forward to seeing you there. And if you want to save $20 off the current ticket price and they get higher as you get closer, go to WeddingMBA.com. Use the promo code Alan, A-L-A-N. WeddingMBA.com, promo code Alan, save $20. I look forward to seeing you there. Before we get into this episode, I'm starting something called Ask Me Anything. That's right. You submit your questions and they could become an entire episode or something that I answer at the end of an episode. To submit your questions, look for the red button at podcast.allenberg.com. That's right, podcast.allenberg.com. Click on the red button, submit your question, and maybe you'll hear it here on the podcast. Thanks. Is your website ADA compatible? And what should you do about it? Listen to this episode and find out. Welcome to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Berg. I'm a speaker, author, sales trainer, website reviewer, and I help businesses like yours sell more, profit more, and have more fun doing it. Enjoy this episode. Hi, it's Alan Berg. Welcome back to another edition of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I am so happy to have Myrna Durami. Durami? I said it wrong. Durami. Durami. Okay, Durami. Durami. I knew I was going to do that. And I wrote it down too. But but Myrna and I have crossed paths before, and it she was connected with me through Mark Chapman, who's also been on the podcast here, uh, talking about ADA compatibility for your website. And coincidentally, someone emailed me this week saying that her brother got in trouble for not having his website be that way, and the timing couldn't have even been better. So so Myrna, give us the the, the quick story about your business. Your business is Myrna and Company. What what do you do? So Myrna & Company is, as I call it, a tech translation for the modern business coaching firm. Long story short, all that means is I act as an advisor to many different businesses when it comes to utilizing tech and optimizing either their outward appearance and also internally their workflows that they have to make their businesses more effective. Okay. So not just in terms of ADA compatibility, but just total business solution. Total business solution. It's, yeah. ADA okay. is just one other aspect that needs to be paid attention to now. Okay. So let's start with the basics here. ADA is? The Americans with Disabilities Act, which was created in 1990. Long story short, it was never really applied in the world of digital. But of course, fast forward with all the uses of tech and how digital we are today, it is now applying to the world of the web. So in that, there's a lot of shades of gray. However, they're trying to streamline and give guidance on how ADA impacts businesses right now. So just like with most things in the world, if you don't have a particular uh, disability, you wouldn't notice that a particular website was not easy to uh, read. If you had sight problems or if you were blind, you would not realize that if you were hearing impaired, that a video didn't have, it had sound or didn't have sound because we wouldn't pay attention to that. And that is the the bias of those that don't have that particular issue in our lives. I just spoke at the Cater Source Special Event Show conference, and there was a gentleman in my audience who has been there before at other conferences, and he had people signing for him because he's deaf. And I've learned how to speak both when I have translators, and in this case, it is a translator. It happens to be ASL, American Sign Language, You know that when I'm speaking to someone like uh, this guy named Matt, I, I would look at Matt when I'm talking, even though someone else is signing, because I'm talking to him, I'm not talking to the signer. And when exactly. I do translating, I know 
the translator, if it's simultaneous, is summarizing what I'm saying. So I've learned how to do that. I've also added captioning onto my videos. And the reason I did it though, Myrna, was I heard that 80% of videos online were watched with the sound off. Exactly. But that's yeah. people who could hear it <laughs> that right. are watching with the sound off. But then there are people that are not. So what are some of the things that you can do, need to do, might need to do in terms of making your website compatible? Because I just mentioned a couple of things, vision impaired, hearing impaired. Yeah, absolutely. You are so on a great path on this because, yeah, there, the goal is you have two things. You have ADA compliance and then you also have accessibility. So you've basically nailed what it means to have your content more accessible to people who may need other options, right? Giving people options. In order to really consider ADA compliance and really take it to the next level, you need to be also cognizant of providing your information, whatever you've uploaded on that website page, to be able to be absorbed or received in multiple ways. Okay, so to your point, it means you know adding transcriptions or subtitles to any of your videos. If you have images, adding alternative text to those, which is kind of behind the scenes, but it's something that search engines and behind the scene coders read in order to make context of images. Um, if you do have colors, a lot of colors on your website, making sure that there is some kind of contrast ratio between the font, the wording, and also the images. Also very important because if someone has any colorblind ailments, um, they won't be able to see the content and have a good user experience. So bottom line, it's all about trying to give universally a great user experience on any content you put online. So alt text is a big one. I think I put that one out there. The other thing I would say also a big one is the fonts that you're using. Make sure that they're not too small. Make sure that they're not illegible. They're not too scripty, where it sometimes could be misconstrued as different letters. That's a big one. I think a lot of people need to just be in, co in constant just review of. Um, I'm trying to think what else. There's, also, there's other things too, because right. here's the thing. People who have any disabilities typically utilize uh, assistive technology, basically readers or other devices to help them be able to make context of whatever right. they're viewing on the web page. So screen readers, if someone does have any impairments when it comes to hearing, um, they're going to use um, either audio amplifiers. If they are any, if they have any blind impairments, they're going to probably be using a screen reader. So you just want to be mindful of how the content that you have on your web page can be absorbed in different ways. So a few things you said there, which actually apply to all websites, not just for people with a disability. Fonts, good contrast on fonts. In general, we want to make it so everybody can read it. Scripty yeah. fonts should be a no-no regardless because they're hard to read for anybody. And a lot of people misuse them. Like they'll use a script font and use it in all caps, which is not what it's intended because the capital letter is meant to feed into the other letters. The lowercase letters are meant to flow together properly, so they'll, they'll misuse it. Colored backgrounds, again, uh, not just for people with color blindness. Colored backgrounds just make it harder for all of us. And, and I, I tell people, they're not just comparing your website to other websites of other professionals in what you do, so other officiants or other caterers or other photographers or whatever. They're comparing your website to every website they visit. And if your website exactly. isn't easy to use, they'll leave. I mean, I, I, used, I did a presentation years ago called Five Reasons Why They Leave Your Website in Five Seconds. So they'll leave. So the contrast is an important thing. The, uh, are there particular fonts that are more friendly to their screen readers? No. So as long as okay. it's a Google font or it's one of the web-based fonts. Okay. So, cause I know a lot of people do try to use some customized 
personalized yeah. font. But if they're universally on a Google cloud, like the Google right. font, you're pretty much going to be good to go. Which is why we went with Google Open Sans for my website, which is not Arial. It's not Arial. It's not Calibri or Candera, any of those, which are humanist fonts, which those of you that don't know, it's a sans serif font. So it doesn't have the little flourishes on the ends, but it's got a little something. It's not as plain as an Arial or something like that. It's got a little something there. And I figured if I used Google Open Sans, it was Google's font. Google must like that. The alt text. For those of you that do your own web stuff, when you upload a photo, you're allowed to put in the, uh, it'll say the description. There's a caption if you want to use it, but that might show on the page. There's the alt text, which is what Myrna's talking about here, the alt text. I think there was a third, or maybe that was the three things. I think that was the three. Yeah, yeah, those are the majors. Right, and the name of the file. Right, and the name of the file for SEO, Myrna, it should not be 4672.jpg, right? Absolutely not, because no one can make any context of what that means, but maybe you. <laughs> but you mentioned SEO. You help people with SEO, and I've had Matt Campbell on talking about SEO and stuff. The file name should describe what's in the picture as well, and then the description now doesn't have to be like something dash, something dash, something. You can actually write a sentence there, because that that's what you would want for that person that says, what is this picture? I'm blind. Tell me what's in this picture. You could actually literally write a description of that in real words, right? Exactly. You put it in layman's terms. Um, I always advise people when they are creating these alternative texts in their, with their images is to provide it from a standpoint of what exactly is the main point that they want someone to get from this image. Because you know, you know how it is, Alan. People could use the same image, especially in bridal. You'll have someone use the same bride and groom or the same groom and groom, the same couple. And the short story of it is Ben and Jerry, maybe the groom and the groom, no one may know who Ben and Jerry are. So you don't want to necessarily say that. You want to actually say, give some right. caption to what the actual image and context is about. That's indicative of your brand. So I always tell people to make sure when they're creating these alternative texts, to make sure that it's, what is it that you want someone to take away from this image if they were to view it on your, on your website? And is the alt text when they hover their mouse over it, is that what shows up? That is what can show up. Yeah, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But on the back end, it is what is attached to that image. So screen readers read that, search engines also read that. So it's important to have it. Right. So if you want to help your SEO incrementally, write better descriptions, have better file names, put in that alt text in the the background for the reading there. The contrast, we already said that was important. All right. So this is for people that are visually impaired. It's going to help those things there, as well as helping your SEO. And then if you have uh, someone like, uh, you know, who was in my session who is uh, hearing impaired, if you have videos, now I have it again, I, I put the captions because eighty. I heard 80% of videos online will watch with the sound off. Is that still pretty accurate? That's still pretty accurate. I mean, it okay. depends on if I'm in an area that's noisy, I won't be able to hear it. I love the captions because then it allows for me to absorb that content in a way that I can actually understand what's happening as opposed to. I'll just watch it later on. So it gives people the option. One thing I want to add, which I didn't even think about, but something that's also very important is the call to actions that you have on your website pages. The whole concept of saying click here or sometimes just learn more dot, dot, dot is not actually very clear, especially Mm -hmm. to a screen reader. So if you can provide a little bit more directive, that always, always, always is a better way to go. So learn more about whatever, if you have like the text or the hyperlink information, putting in there with keywords of what they're going to do is also a better angle and a better way to 
not just optimize your site from an SEO standpoint, from an ADA compliance standpoint as well. This is just the same common sense for conversion. If you say, tell them why they're contacting you and then make it easy to do it, more people will do it as opposed to just listing your contact information with no context as to, well, why? Or a site I was actually reviewing this morning where there were very few, if any, calls to action. Or the other end of that, which is, people know this is a pet peeve of mine, book us now. Am I I really going to book you now if I click that button? Because I don't want to click that button because I just want to ask a question. And people are like, well, yeah, but I want them to book me. I know you do, but they just got to your website. And now you're saying book us now. And they're like, back off lady. Cause I just got here. So exactly. Yeah. No, no, I don't want to do this. So it's interesting how this is so much parallels, just common sense for websites in general. Right. But some of these things are more specific, like having the alt text, having the things for the ADA compatibility. So a couple of things here. One is who needs to do this from a legal standpoint, because we know that everybody should, we would want to make ourselves as accessible if you had a storefront, you would want to make sure that you know it was handicapped accessible, that somebody could come in in a wheelchair or something. You would do that. Who needs to, from a legal standpoint, make their site compatible? And then we'll talk about what that means to make it compatible. Exactly. So just recently, March of this year, the Department of Justice for our federal government issued out a statement to update us all that the ADA compliance, or uh, the ADA, the you know Americans right. with Disabilities Act, does definitely fall in line, Article 3 specifically, with websites and businesses who have websites because public accommodation is the question mark. But here's the reality on the web, everything is public accommodation. Mm. So technically speaking, we all are legally (laughs) supposed to abide by the ADA. The discrepancy is the guidance and what the guardrails are to do that are. So depending on the state, depending on where you're located, depending on what type of business you have, it can be very shades of gray as to how much you need to abide by this rule. It's one of those, the the, the quick answer is yes. Everyone actually is basically liable to abide by the ADA. The longer answer is it depends on your type of business and your audience and where you're located. So is there a tool online that you could go and say, is my site compliant? Yes. So this is, we talked about this a little bit before we started the recording, but I actually got involved in this because three years ago, I had a bridal salon of mine, a client, get a demand letter stating that their website wasn't accessible. And at the time, I knew of ADA compliance because it usually always was geared more toward hospitals, any type of real public accommodating platform. Like if you're a government, hospital, you know, same type of scenario as a fuzz, like a physical space as right. ADA would be applied. Fast forward, she gets this demand letter and it was like, nothing really could be done aside from either A, updating her website or B, really trying to figure out there was a solution. So it sent me on this quest to figure out there has to be something out there that's not as you know complicated as redoing a whole website. So now, you know, you fast forward, I actually had partnered with a company that has created what's called an application overlay, very unobtrusive, and it actually meets people where they are, where at the time of them visiting your website, they can manipulate it based off of the need that they have. So whether they do have any vision impairment or hearing impairment, or even if they have cognitive disabilities, it can actually match and meet them where they are. So they'll have different 
functions that you can add that manipulate the website, but it only does it to that person, not to everyone, which is great. Okay. How do you find out if your site currently is deficient and in what areas? So there are several tests out there that someone can do. Um, If they were to go to um, webaccessibility.org, there are several tests that they can actually run their websites through. They're all free. Um, There's another one called um, Site Improve. So literally, there's hundreds. If you just Google it, you can find some tests, and that will allow for you to know whether or not your site is actually making the cut or not. And I'll ask you to send me some of those so I can put those into the show notes with here because I want to check mine as well. Now, I had previously Googled ADA compatibility because I've had people ask me this. And again, you do get this confusing thing where if you had 100 employees or less, you didn't have to do it and stuff. So what you're saying is that may or may not be the case depending upon where you live and what your business is. Exactly. So yeah, now that's that's really deeming towards the physical aspects of things. Okay. But you fast forward to the fact that now the web is now playing a role here. Now it doesn't matter as much. Because people listening uh, could be sol- solopreneurs like myself. They could be small businesses, two, three, four, five people. They could be larger. They could be a venue or a caterer that has a lot of employees that are part-time employees. Right. So there's all the, all of this all those gray, different, gray yeah. area. They could so, be brick and mortar, but then just have a face front, like a face on the web, like a basic website, or right. they could be total e-com. Correct. Right. And a, and a lot of people are again, service businesses that do their business out somewhere else. So people don't come to them. Nobody comes here to, to me, to my office over here. So I don't have that physical need, but I'm dealing with b- people around the world. So now is there any complication of this? If you're doing business across different states or even international? No, because um, there are some guidelines that the Department of Justice does kind of request us to follow. Those guidelines, it's called the WCAG website. I forget what the acronym stands for, but it's WDAC (laughs) is is the organization that has created these guidelines that we're all supposed to abide by. And those guidelines are universal. They are global. Okay. So again, doesn't matter the language, doesn't matter the country. It should be good on that. So Again, from a global standpoint, in a perfect world, all of our websites would be compatible just so that we're accessible to anyone. Whether or not you've ever done business with someone who does have a particular um, a challenge with accessing your website, the next one that comes might, or you might have lost a customer because your site wasn't, right? There, there's, and you might not, yeah. you wouldn't know it. Somebody came to your website, couldn't read it because they were visually impaired, couldn't read your website. It couldn't read it to them because it wasn't able, right? There are, Exactly. So many different ways where your website could be costing you money rather than this. Now, the things to make it compatible, are, are, are these expensive things? No, they're not. They're literally, and I, like I said, partnered with this company. It's like a $500 annual licensing fee. Okay. Uh, and it's amazing in that, you know, it's, it's very inobtrusive and it's very cost effective. I will say, Alan, you just reminded me and prompted me on something. I had a client actually where they had this application overlay on their site. And because they had it on their site, they actually were awarded a big contract with a huge company. Like it was, mm-hmm. And it was just specifically that other company was like, because you took this into account, we, want, we selected you. Right. Which to your point, I think it def- definitely does create an opportunity. Like I've, I've been saying this in a lot of my speaking engagements where diversity does create innovation, sure. But what accessibility does and ADA compliance does is it basically opens up the door for more opportunity. So I feel like it's important that people realize that, you know, especially from this demographic, when they do see that you've taken this time to make an effort, 
um, they are loyal like no other. So again, the reaction that I had from, from Matt, when I told him that my YouTube videos were the captioning was done by a person, not by the automated, he was so thankful because the automated transcriptions are, are, are not good. I, yeah. I, I just think about, I, I was sitting in a bar the other night and there's a sports going on on TV and the automated captioning is going and it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny to watch. <laughs> It's kind of like the directions that you get that were definitely someone who doesn't have English as their first language that are writing the instructions. It's kind of like that. And I didn't want that. So we take the extra time and money to do that because that's one of the, actually one of the things that cost me the most about my podcast is actually having these transcriptions done like this with you and I for a half an hour at $1.50 a minute, you know, it's going to cost me $45, $50 to have this transcribed. And Maybe some people will need it. Maybe they won't need it, but it's done because if somebody does, it's correct. The exactly. names are spelled correctly. The grammar is correct and, and things like that. And then it's on my blog as a transcription. So if someone would prefer to read it or have their uh, screen reader read it to them, they can read the whole thing. I also then take that transcription, which comes in as one big TXT file, and I break it into paragraphs so that it, it has that again, because the screen readers will recognize the paragraph breaks and hopefully not read it, you know, run automated. <laughs> yeah, it's like a run-on sentence. Right. Yes, which, you yeah. know, one 1,400-word paragraph. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's such a win-win because even from an SEO standpoint, the fact that you go through the effort of doing this, it also is leveraging you to have repurposing content that right. you can then create a blog from and, and so forth. So, yeah. so many wins that can come out of just going that little extra step for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I used to blog once a month, and now I blog six times a month because I have six podcasts that come out every month, four of there mine and go. two guests. And they're all long because they're all anywhere from you know four to 12 minutes myself and about a half an hour with a guest. And think about how many words we're, we're saying here in exactly. a half an hour. And the funny thing is I did a podcast that said, I don't really care about SEO, should you? <laughs> and, and it's only because I'm not looking to get new customers that way. I want people right. who already know me and they're looking for me as opposed to somebody like me. And so the answer for you might be different, but for me, no, yeah. I don't really, I don't really care. Doesn't mean I don't pay attention to it. <laughs> I was about to say, you're doing the right things foundationally so that yes. you don't have to worry about it. So it's a all exactly, right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, <laughs> so fonts, colors, uh, captioning, uh, the uh, making sure the screen readers, the calls to action, anything else that we've left out here in terms of what what does what your overlay do? So, well, let's, let's just start off with this. There are about 38 factors okay. that deem a site. And there are different levels of compliance here. There's like level one, level two, level three. The okay. average is level two. Um, and so there's about 38 factors that are all taken into account to say whether or not a website is deemed ADA compliant or not. Okay. Um, so we just named like the top like four or five. But there's like, like I said, additional. So I do have like a, an extensive checklist that goes through all of the things um, to try to help people. But yeah, so back to the overlay, the overlay actually pretty much accomplishes majority of them. Um, again, it's one of those things where it would never probably be able to do every single, because here's the reality of anyone who has any type of different ability, they're variable, right? There's a spectrum of what they could or could not experience. Right. And I'll tell you too, I didn't mention this, but when I started to deep dive into this, I also took the liberties of spending a lot of time with people who were within this demographic so I can understand, you know, like I understand being, you know, from a marginalized demographic myself as a female who happens to be a woman of color, who also happens <laughs> to be in the world of tech, 
I understood a lot of it, but I wanted to deep dive further. So I spent literally during COVID time on, um, what's it, Clubhouse. I was in these talks with these people, just learning and just absorbing and just loving on them and just appreciating their perspective because it allowed for me to understand this in a whole different way. But what I wanted to say is, like I said, there's so many different unique abilities that could cause someone to not have a better or just as good of a user experience on a website. I will say the overlay tries to encompass all of them, even though that's very difficult to do. So just like with a tax audit, your chances of somebody coming to you about this, I mean, there's a lot of websites out there. Why would they go after yours? Are there certain businesses, types of businesses, types of websites, size of businesses that might be more vulnerable? Targeted? You know, I've been thinking about that. I want to say no. Um, okay. It all comes down to, because like I said, I've had bridal salon be mm -hmm. issued a demand letter. I've had an event planner issued. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't even, I thought, I was like, oh, maybe it's like someone who's brick and mortar right. and then service. No, it actually okay. didn't make a difference. I even had a photographer receive a, an email. So I would say if you are a brand that is very well known in your genre, I would say definitely want to pay attention to this because that's just more eyeballs on you and making you more of a target for someone. Um, so it's something to think about. Otherwise, I would say, like I said, if you started small and did something like just take your site through one of those audits to see where you fare, maybe if you feel inclined, especially if DNI is something of importance to you, adding some kind of accessibility statement and or something on your website to say that you are at least aware and trying to make as much of an effort as possible to make yourself more accessible. Where would you do that? that uh, similar to how you have your terms and condition in your privacy okay. policy, okay. you can create an accessibility statement. Okay. Um, I would also say, and the, the beauty of this overlay, it actually comes with an accessibility statement. So that okay. kind of has you covered as well. But um, the other thing I would say is if you really wanted to go move forward and actually invest a little in this, I would say mm -hmm. definitely looking into an application overlay would be a okay. way to go as well. All right. And we will certainly have a link to your site uh, so they can find out more about that. And I'm very curious to run mine through. Something came to mind when you mentioned photographer before. So if you're, most of the photography sites that I see have way too many pictures and not enough words, yes. which if you, I, I, I can imagine a photographer thinking, well, I know why they do that because they copy each other and they all have a lot of pictures, not a lot of words, <laughs> but thinking about someone who might be visually impaired and photography could seem a little odd because if they can't see the pictures, you know, do they care about the pictures? But it reminds me of a story uh, years ago. I had, we had a friend who was blind. Uh, he was actually a personal trainer at a gym that my wife, wife worked at. Guy was amazing. I remember going to his apartment and he would always talk about how he watched TV last night. I watched this show and, you know, which meant obviously he was listening to it. He would go to the movies with his friends to go to the theaters and stuff. And in his living room, he had a pretty big TV and in his bedroom, he had a little small TV. And I said, Bob, you know, I know you watch TV, but you know, why do you have such a big TV in your living room? And he said, I have friends. <laughs> I love it. And again, you know, shame on me for my bias that I come in with. Yes, I know that you're listening to the show, but you know, you could do that on a little tiny set, but duh, your friends might come. Photography, you might be visually impaired. Your partner might not be visually impaired. Your family might not be. They want pictures. So yeah. a photographer now they would have to do stuff for in, in the photos, right? So that correct. would be back to the descriptions and the alt that text. Would be back to the alt text, correct. Right. And the naming, correct. 
So, but really describing what's in the picture then, like as if you're talking to that person who's visually impaired to say, yeah. this is what's going on in this picture, but really describe it, which then could help your SEO, right? <laughs> it exactly. It's like, yeah, it just keeps on going from there. I mean, and if you notice too, Alan, like every platform now, especially, and I call this the FANG, it's like the Facebook, Apple, Google, Netflix, <laughs> Google, you know, all of that. They all have invested in the last year so much in terms of accessibility, so much so that you know, you go on Facebook, you go on Instagram, they provided tools to make things more accessible. Now you can add alternative text to your images so that, you know, people who are going through their feed can know what that image is about. They've even added um, some additional features to make it so that the context of your alternative text is now searchable, like within their search. And so, I mean, there's so many things now where people, and I think the, the world is ready to understand that people absorb content in different ways. And so how else better to accommodate that, but making it more accessible and thinking through like, you know, how someone is receiving the content that they're visualizing, that you're, pu- you're publishing and putting out there. And if all of us could do what you did, which is basically walk a mile in someone else's shoes to understand, okay, this is how I'm, ex- I'm accessing your website. No, it can't read it to me. Uh, no, I, I don't, I can't hear what's going on in that video. Uh, or I'm, I'm, I'm visually impaired, but I'm not totally blind. So the contrast of that was a problem for me or the, that font is too hard to read and, you know, all these different things. Uh, it's not res- just like not being responsive for mobile is a problem for all of us. Right. We go onto our phone. I actually just had that this morning with someone. He had his price, price list on a PDF on a page while his site was compatible. And then all of a sudden this tiny little PDF shows up and said, well, you, you're 98% there. You can't quite get us the whole way there. Okay. So if somebody wants to find out more about you, I will put this into the notes, but what what website should they go to? They can go to MyrnaDurami.com. Uh, very easy. And in terms of finding me on social, anything Myrna Durami, what, well, let me not say that because we had a scenario. <laughs> I somehow, some way have become an infamous Bitcoin trader, which is not me. <laughs> I'm just going to say that out loud and let everyone know. But if you go to Myrna P. Durami, that is my official link to all link. the things. I, we'll put the links into the show notes so that you can actually click on the link and go there without getting what I got, which is somebody messaging me, pretending to be you, as yes. many of us have unfortunately had that. Uh, and I do have a little Bitcoin myself, but I am not a trader. I'm not <laughs> trying to sell you any. So, so there you go. Well, Myrna, we could go on for hours like this, but thank you so much for joining. I will put into the show notes and, and I'm going to run that that test and yes. then then, then get you to do that overlay on my website because I like to be proactive and not wait for it to be a problem. Um, and I think where what came to mind when who could be you know vulnerable, anybody, because if someone goes to your site and it is not accessible, they could make a complaint, right? Correct. And that's where it could be a very small business could get in trouble because somebody's just, your site wasn't accessible for them. So we we don't want that to happen to anybody. So that's why I have Myrna on. So thank you for joining me. Thanks to Mark Chapman for introducing us again, reintroducing us. And uh, I look forward to seeing you at, at another conference. Same. Thanks so much for having me. It was an honor. Hi, it's Alan Berg. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. You can find full transcripts on my website at podcast.allenberg.com. And if you have a suggestion for a topic for a new episode or even a guest, please let me know at alan at weddingbusinesssolutions.com. 
And if you'd like to find out about having me come and speak to your association or a conference or do sales training in person or remotely for your team, whether you're a team of one or a team of a hundred, please let me know again, alan at weddingbusinesssolutions.com. Thanks for listening.